Welcome back to Between the Shelves. I'm your host, Alex, and this episode I'm joined by our library director, Jen. Hi, Alex. Hi, Jen. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And we're also joined by adult services librarian superstar, Peter. Hi. Thank you for calling me a superstar. (laughs) Indeed, you are. Um, We have a very special episode. This bi-weekly episode is uh, mystery-themed, so I wanted to bring in two of our uh, staff members who are mystery enthusiasts, uh, little gumshoes, if you will, in the library. (laughs) So in the latter half of the episode, we're going to be getting deep into uh, the mysteries. So stay tuned for that. But until then, let's talk about what we're into right now. Um, Do either of you want to start off? I can start off if you... I'm happy to start. Okay. Um, If we're talking a little bit about books. Yeah, um, anything. I'm a huge audiobook listener. I often say I'm reading. I don't think there's a any difference between listening and reading to a book. I have a pretty long commute, so audiobooks are my lifeline. So I just wanted to mention a couple. I just finished Demon Copperhead. I don't know if either of you have read that or listened to that yet. Marianne was talking about it on her episode. She loved it. Yes. So she had checked me on uh, Goodreads on that, and it's still with me. If you haven't listened to it, everybody put it on reserve on your Libby app. Uh, one of the best audiobooks I've heard probably in a year. Really? Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay. It's uh, it's fiction kind of inspired by David Cop- what Copperfield. Is David Copperfield. Um, but it takes place in Appalachia. And it's, uh, it's written in the first person, kind of like memoir style, but fiction, fantastic. Actually have that on my to-read list already. You're so going to love it. That. You're going to love it. Um, I'll just mention a couple of other books that I've read recently and I tried to find what like genre this is so they come under quirky sensitive books and one is anxious people by frederick bachman and that was the same guy who wrote man called ova i'm never sure how uva Uva, which is now going to be a movie with tom hanks um fantastic don't be thrown by the title anxious people because you you know people thought oh I don't that title no it's not it's not it's not anxious at all and uh, another brilliant one remarkably bright shell remarkably bright creatures by Shelby Van Pelt which is about an octopus in captivity in Seattle fantastic and before the coffee goes cold now I'm gonna try to say this author's name I don't know if this is gonna be correct it's Japanese uh, Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And it's translated, obviously, from Japanese, um, really good. It's when you can go into a coffee shop, and if you get at a certain table, you can have one hour, you can go back in time to another another period in your life. I just heard about this. Yeah. Where did I hear about this? Somebody was just telling me. It's There's actually great. a sequel now. It's really, really good, really well written. So those are my three recommendations outside of the mystery genre uh, that I think people might love to read. Awesome. Great. Peter, what are you into right now? I've got a couple of things. The first thing is a TV show. Um, it's called The Traders. It's a reality show, and it's the host is Alan Cumming. And um, it's really fun. Uh, basically, they have half of the contestants. They're in a uh, castle in the Scottish Highlands. Half of the contestants are um, famous people from reality shows. Um 
like, you know, Survivor, Big Brother, all the different ones. And then half the people are just normal people, but three of them are traitors, and it's kind of their job to murder people. Oh. And if the traitors win, they get the money, and if the, they figure out who the traitors are. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a standard... Um, reality show setup but alan cumming is so good in it he comes out every episode he's in a new outfit it's always tartan (laughs) and he's got a different color beret in every episode and and where can we watch that colors oh it's on peacock oh fantastic if you have that or i think they might play it on nbc too yeah um so that's really fun if you like reality shows and um you know they're out in in they have challenges out in nature in the scottish highlands so it's pretty too the other thing that I'm really into right now, I just finished a book. It's called um, the, Three Body Prob- the Three Body Problem. Mm-hmm. It's a science fiction book by um, a Chinese author, uh, Sishin Lu. And um, I've been really, I'm a big science fiction fan, but I've been really interested lately in reading books. Um, you know, the classic sci-fi is, like, especially with aliens, they're always coming to the U.S., Mm-hmm. So this is like kind of a, it's hard sci-fi. There's a lot of physics and really interesting stuff, but it's, you know, the people who made first contact with these aliens are people in China, which is you know very plausible. Right. <laughs> Most people live there. So a uh, really great book. He's written a bunch of other books, but it's, you know, if you're like me, you've read a lot of sci- sci-fi books, you're looking for a new perspective and a new way to look at it. And it's, Definitely that. Yeah. yeah, I read that last year. Um, I really liked it. It was it's a very unique, hard sci-fi. Yeah, it's very grounded in reality, um, but yeah, it, it does get very heavy into the math and physics too, which yes. kind of lost me a little bit. And there's like a whole half of the book set in like a virtual reality sort of world, if I remember correctly. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a computer game. Yeah, that they uh, invented that. Oh, cool. Is kind of based on this. Um, it's alien culture and oh, okay. um, they're basically it actually come becomes a religion there are people who like they think that they're coming to save them and there there's another sect of people who want the aliens to come because they they've lost faith in humanity and they mm-hmm. think we should be destroyed so yeah and that's the first book of a trilogy too right um you know, i think so. sure. i think it, it is be. yeah i have a question so i don't really read sci-fi mm-hmm. and do you either of you have a suggestion for somebody who wants to try it out? What would be a good like not to like this one sounds a little bit on the deep yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, but seems like Yeah, definitely not the three body problem. It's that not should a good, be your first um, foray into I'm trying sci-fi. To think of a good um there's some things that there where there's I call it like um there's a sci-fi setting, but it's pretty real, like yeah. um What's it called? Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Oh, yeah. I've read um, that. <laughs> I that's a good one. That was he, he, well, I mean, because it's yeah. talking about the clones and everything. Oh, that's yeah, a yeah, sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think of sci-fi as aliens, but yeah. it's just any kind of Alternate. speculative science thing. Right. Is, oh, interesting. So. That was a fantastic book. Yeah, Say the name of that book again so people um, know that one. Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Yeah. It's actually my favorite book. Yeah, heartbreakingly beautiful. Have you read it? No, but Alex? it's on my to-read list, yeah. so maybe yeah. I'll bump it up the list. Yeah, really good. One of the ones that when you're listening to it, you're sitting in your car in your driveway because yeah. yeah. you want to get at least to the end of the chapter. Excellent. Okay, uh, so maybe I am a sci-fi reader. I think if, cool. if you like comedy books, I think Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you can't yeah, go wrong that, with that. Right? And that's it's so fantastic. famous. It's fam- yeah, it's famous. It's an easy read. It's funny. 
The sequels I didn't care for so much, but the first one's a classic. And I, if you want something more towards the harder sci-fi, kind of world-building sci-fi stuff, uh, Dune. Dune's a classic. Okay. Have not read that either. It's brilliant. So I find that I go on Jags, like, I do love a, a good thriller, um, but a lot of them are, it's essentially the same book over and over. I mean, how many times can you, like, you know, hide the woman upstairs behind the window? And it almost becomes satire. Um, but when you hit on a good thriller, it's like, you know, it's wonderful. But I get a little uh, oversaturated. And then mm-hmm. I, so I switch, I, I try to do every third book to do something that's a little bit more challenging or maybe a, a prize winner or something just yeah. to keep me feel like my brain cells from not and not thinking about murderers and uh people hiding in the attics because you, you know it gets into your head after a while um so i'm gonna try dune and hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy two recommendations yeah thank you anything else peter uh no those are my those are things i'm into you're into right mm-hmm. um okay i'll go um so at the end of the year, I try to find all the lists of like the best albums of the year. So I go to all a bunch of different websites and magazines and try to find their list because everybody pu- publishes like the top 50 albums of the year. Yeah. Um, and I do that because it's as I get older, I find it's harder to, to discover new music. Um, and now, especially with like, like, you know, like Alexa's and Google Homes and Spotify and everything, they're just recommending music to you. But they're only recommending stuff that's like stuff you're already listening to. So right. it's hard to like discover new things. Yeah. Um, so I, that's my method of trying to find new music. So I've been scanning through maybe a hundred albums over the past month. And uh, most of it I really dislike. But uh, three albums have I keep coming back to. Um, and we're going to do a music episode in, in the future that I'll get more into it. Yeah. But the three albums I keep coming back to, I just want to mention briefly, you should definitely check them out. Libraries have them. You can check them out from the library. Uh, The first is called The Seventh Hand by Emmanuel Wilkins. It's a jazz album. um, I've kind of been like a a light jazz fan for a long, long time. I'm from Newport, Rhode Island, so we have the Newport Jazz Fest. So I've been going to that since I was a kid, and that's really been my only exposure to jazz. I don't really seek out or really like dig into like deep into jazz, but... When I hear something that I like, I'll I'll you know add it to my regular rotation of music. And this album is my favorite album of 2022 that I've discovered. Um, it's again, it's called Seventh Hand by Emmanuel Wilkins. Uh, another one, another jazz album that I found that I really like is called In These Times by Micaiah McRaven. This one is less like a four-piece jazz band. This one's more um, not ambient, but it's more melodic, kind mm-hmm. of just. Easy listening, sort of atmospheric. That's yeah, yeah, better word for it. Um, Seventh Hand is more, you know, fast paced, kind of like you'd hear in like a club. You kind of associate it with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So those are two albums I've been really into right now. I just keep coming back to them. They're great, like background, you know, music while I'm cooking or whatever. And then the third album is uh, probably more divisive. So this is an artist that I kind of check in on every once in a while. I wouldn't say I'm his biggest fan, but. He's interesting, um, and it's Kendrick Lamar. His new album is called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. So I'm not a big rap fan. I kind of stopped listening to rap around the early 2000s because it just got way too commercial, and I really lost interest in it. But, you know, there's a few artists I'll check in on just to see kind of where the genre is going, and his new album is 
really fantastic. I, I wouldn't didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I am, but it's great. It has some great R and B kind of I tracks love on it Kendrick too. Lamar, really, who okay. is not somebody of my age you would maybe necessarily think fan, uh, especially a West Coast rap. I grew up with um, that in my ears, and I love it. And I think he's actually a genius and one of probably the best artists of our time right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that because yes. I was hesitant to even no, mention it. That, the other two I hadn't, had not heard of, but Kendrick Lamar is amazing. I yeah. like him too. I haven't heard that the new album yet. So. It, might be my, it might be my favorite, honestly. His first album was my favorite, and this one is more poetic. Mm-hmm. I think his lyrics are really strong with this yeah. one. Like it's, I just keep coming back to it. I can't, can't move on from it. So yeah, I've been really into music this month. That's um, wonderful. So do you take it out on vinyl or are you listening to it just through your streamings? CDs. Or, or in CDs. CDs. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. check out the CD. Yeah. Listen to it in my car mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I, awesome. My vinyl record player is not set up right now. Sorry, Peter. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you got to fix that. I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, music's what I've been into. And um, I just, I'll mention this very briefly because I want to move on and cover some mystery stuff. But mm. uh, the Oscar nominations just came out. Yes. We're recording this on April, I'm sorry, on January 27th, and the Oscar nominations came out two days ago, I think. Yeah, two or three days ago. So I'm super excited about the Oscars. As anyone who knows me should know, I am a huge movie fan, so I'm just rapidly checking off all the movies that are nominated for anything, and I only have less than a handful to go yeah, before so the Oscars. Yeah, so listeners, Alex does a little internal for our staff. We do a little Oscar picks uh who can pick the most uh, winners. Mm-hmm. So that's really fun. I watched recently the um, the Irish movie. Um, the Banshees the Banshe- of Inisherin. Yes. And have you guys seen it yet? Of course. Okay. So we don't have to talk about, because I don't know how to talk about it without giving something away, and I would want people to experience it from beginning to end. Accident, the acting in that, A++. plus plus. The story <laughs> didn't. I kind of realized afterward, like who the the creator of the movie. Now I understand. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't watched that, I think it's on Netflix. I think you can catch it's it on, on HBO Max. Oh, HBO Max. Yeah. Okay, I watched that and it was really, really good. Yeah, I loved it. It's in my top five. Um, it, Colin it did really well and, at the Golden Globes too. Yeah. So there's a good chance it's gonna be a yeah, front runner there. It's definitely uh, deserving of all. It's. Uh, accolades right now yeah. and we'll see i can't believe it's colin farrell's first oscar nomination You're i was kidding. shocked yeah i was shocked to hear that good for him yeah and the other guy what's Great, his name gleason um i think gleason right the older gentleman sure. the older gentleman yeah look it's it up. shocking movie but really good and not what i was expecting at no. all but uh <laughs> really it's a it's It'll get you, uh, it'll get start a conversation when you're done. It's right. that type of movie where you, you want to talk about it after you finish watching it. And Peter, you're going to open up with the movie and you'll be like, oh, it's one of our wonderful, beautiful settings that we love to watch yeah. these like cozy <laughs> mysteries. And that's not what's going to happen. But you'll you'll love the scenery too in the, in the yeah. movie. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's, that's what I'm into right now. So everybody I've had on the podcast so far... Um, we are in 2023 right now, but I've given everyone an opportunity to talk about some of their favorite books they read last year in 2022. Mm-hmm. So do you have any that you want to share with our listeners? Any choice picks? I do. Go right ahead. I'll go first this time. Um, my favorite book uh, that I read last year, and this I think is the only book I read last year that was actually released last year, is um, The Devil House by John Darnielle. 
and um, some people might know him. He's the lead singer for the indie rock band The Mountain Goats, which are really sure, sure, like, sure. Um, you know, they're the kind of band that it's a mostly about their lyrics, so it makes sense that he became a writer. This is his third book, and it's also a little bit on theme. It's um, the, the concept of the book is it's a true crime writer who's writing his uh, second novel. He buys this place called The Devil House. It's in... Uh, Northern California, and it's the site of a like a, a murder from years back that has been. It was like a originally a video store that closed, and they converted it into a house. And he buys the house, this writer, and he's there to write this true crime book about the murders. And um, at the same time, it's telling the story of his first book, which was based on another crime, and he's corresponding with. Um, the mother of the the person that was murdered. And for people like us who read a lot of mysteries and true crime or watch shows or documentaries, it really, uh, he's got a talent for making you think of things in a different way. It makes you kind of examine what reason, your reasons are for liking that and how, how these type of books might affect the people who are involved in these real murders. And I, uh, He's one of my favorite authors, and I really recommend it. Um, yeah, that was my yeah. favorite book from 2020. And he's got another book coming out this year, I think, right? I'm not sure. I haven't heard of it that he did was, but All right. I, I, I might be wrong. But um, yeah, I've heard I've heard he's a great writer. So for me, I'm looking at my Goodreads list. Um, you know, everyone who knows me knows I'm always talking about the Thursday Murder Club books, which we can talk about in a minute. But this was a fun little book. It's short. Uh, called An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good. Um, it's Swedish, so you have to obviously get a translation. So it's not what you expect. It's an elderly woman. She's 88 years old. Um, her name is Maud, and she is kind of gruff and cranky and little things kind of annoy her, um, but you're not at all expecting her to be very comfortable with a little murder. And so she, it's funny, um, it's dark comedy, but it, the, it's only 178 pages. So it's a quick read or a quick listen. And I think there's a couple of follow-up books because I think it started as a group of short stories. Um, and, you know, nobody kind of suspects her, but they, there's, there's a detective's like, something's going, something's not right with her. And um, it's kind of funny. And all of the people that died deserve it. So you don't even have to feel bad <laughs> about the people that are killed. And what you talked about before the coffee goes cold. That was great. I'm just trying to see if there's anything. One of, oh, The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley was really a good little thriller. That was a, that was a bestseller. So I'm sure a lot of readers have read that already. And I did most of the Lu Louise Penny series, the Chief Inspector Armand Gamache, Gamache series, which is older. It's There's 15 in the series. Uh, my sister um, told me about it. I actually wasn't even that familiar with it. And she's like, how could you have not read this or listened to this? I, I listened to the whole thing. So those are really perfect example of a cozy mystery and takes place in Canada in a small little Based, uh, the locale is a little town called Three Pines. So now it's actually a series now on Amazon Prime called Three Pines. I will say, I don't know if you've watched it yet. Yeah. You, re wrote, wrote, you read those books, right, Peter? The Louise uh, Penny, probably a while I've ago. I read a, 
a couple of them. Couple. I'm not sure if they're from that. Yeah, series. so the series is not the best interpretation, unfortunately, of the book, of the series. But it's a fun little book. And if you're looking for um, getting into cozy mysteries, it's a good for it. So my first cozy mysteries, where I just remember this, was, what was that series? It takes place, I think, in Africa. Um, number one, Ladies number one, Detective, Ladies Detective Agency. Number one, Ladies Detective Agency was kind of my first hook into yeah. reading. And that's another great series that... Alexander McCall Smith. Yes, right. another great series of that. It's funny. I actually the I haven't read the what is it called the old lady one that you mentioned. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had it uh, written down in context of what we're going to talk about with the uh, Thursday Murder Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that's why it came up in my recommendations yeah. because you know everybody everybody's listening through your phone. So like, how about this book? And I was like, oh, this is really good, and. Everybody that I know that read it when they saw it on, I'd be like, oh, let me try it. They're like, oh, my God, this book is kind of creepy, but really funny, funny, good book. I actually have one other that I forgot Okay, I was going to mention that I don't want to. It's a, um, it's a book called Puppy Show, P-O-P-I-S-H-O, mm-hmm. uh, by Leona Ross. And um, it's a kind of a magical realism book, but it takes the, there's like, I read a lot of fantasy books, too. And like Jen was saying earlier, sometimes you want to switch things up a little bit. And so I'll sometimes I, I force myself to read something else. But another thing I've been doing, just like with the uh, three-body problem, is I try to read books that are in genres I like that are written by from perspectives I'm not familiar with. And this is um, written by, she's British, but she's um, uh, Afro-Caribbean descent. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of your classic fantasy trope of... Um, magical powers being discovered like Harry Potter where somebody um, has emergently emerging magical gifts but it's um, set in the Caribbean and the, the magic is kind of based on Afro-Caribbean um, mythology instead of like your kind of more medieval sort right, of magic what we're kind we're of used to, used to. So it's saturated really with, right? vivid like really um, really great book uh, that Take something familiar and make you know recontextualize it in a really uh, interesting, fantastic way. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds so good. Okay, those books all sound great. We our listeners should all go check them out. And uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk mystery. Okay, let's do it. Okay, we're back. Let's talk mysteries. What's everyone's like introduction to mystery? Like, what did you? What got you into mystery? What were the first mystery books you remember reading? I can go first. <sighs> You, you go, you go okay. first. I'm interested to hear. So I was explaining this to Peter earlier. Mystery is not a genre I read a lot of, actually. Um, but I was thinking, I was doing some research for this episode, and um, it occurred to me that the first books I ever read were mysteries, mm-hmm. or the first books that were ever read to me, actually, were mysteries. When I was uh, a wee one, my father would read, he wouldn't read children's books to me, like as my bedtime books, he would read The Adventures of Tintin. Do you know the Tintin? Yes, okay. of course. So Tintin is is huge in Europe. So Amer- many Americans probably aren't familiar with him. But basically, he's this. He's kind of like a kid detective. His age is kind of ambiguous, but he's like a kid reporter detective. And uh, they're graphic novels. They're short. They're about 30, 40 pages each. Um, they were actually written in the twenties. Nineteen twenty nine was the first. Mm. Um, the first issue book came out by, by a Belgian artist, Herge. And so he would read these to me, and it would go over my head, but the artwork was vivid. I love the artwork. It's influenced my own art. I It's my favorite artwork. 
Um, but every uh, book is a short little mystery that wraps itself up by the end. Each book is usually set in a different um, country and has a different theme around it. So there's one in America, there's one in uh, in China, there's one in you know Germany, and they're just fun little adventures. They're kind of like Indiana Jones meets. Like a mystery, like a detective story, basically. And yeah. they have silly side characters and, you know, it's it's fun. It, it's appropriate for kids. But anyways, that that's how I got started. I have all the books now and I reread them occasionally, but that's kind of how I got started. It's funny. I, I knew about Tintin, but I didn't even know that they were, he was solving mysteries. I just <laughs> knew it was like a little boy with a dog. Right? Yep. He's got a little yeah. dog, Snowy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where uh, I got started. And then... I didn't really read any mysteries for a long, long time after that. Um, and then my dad's favorite author is Thomas Pynchon, who alternates between these big, dense historical fiction novels and more modern kind of mystery novels, detective novels, noirish novels. So I didn't, and I didn't even, this didn't even occur to me until I was starting to research for this episode. But, um, those those are mystery novels. I consider them mystery novels. So his uh, his noirish detective novels are The Crying of Lot 49, Vineland, Inherent Vice, and Bleeding Edge. And I love all of them. They're, they're all five-star reads for me. But they're not like your traditional detective stories where they all have like a nice, you know, ending where everything wraps itself up in the end. You know, there's not a parlor scene at the end where they mm. say, it was the butler and yeah. here's why and, you know, all these red herrings all... Yeah, somebody confess, confesses exactly. every detail of the crime to Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, too. Yeah. Just different. So these are more um, postmodern. I'm using air quotes right now. They're like the classic postmodern novels where um, basically the more the protagonist uncovers, the more questions come up. And it's basically just about how complex the world is and everything's interconnected and Basically, as you try to apply reason and logic to try to solve a mystery, all you're really doing is just creating more conspiracy theories. You're just connecting loose dots, and that's kind of more what the book's about than the actual mystery in, at the core of the book. So I love all of his books. I can't recommend them highly enough. So that's, in terms of books, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's, you know, little mysteries here and there in, in every book, but those are the, the mystery books, I guess, I'd, I've read. So for me... There, I grew up, I was a kid in the 1970s, so, you know, you had the, we were still reading Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and um, Cyclopedia Brown, what was the other one, Nate the Great, but there was this one book, and so I'm asking all the librarians who are listening to help me find the name of this book. It was, I believe it was an early reader, because it was one of the first books that I remember finishing by myself, and so it was kind of hardcover small, the guy was probably second grade, right? I think that's when we started to read that. Now kids read when they're four, but we were like second grade when we started reading. And it was a detective and he was solving a mystery. I think he was a human. I think he was human. And I still remember the the solve. So it was, there was um, an elephant, I think it was, was, was in a room and he was tied up or something and there was only one way out 
And it was that the, that when they came in, all they found was a pool of water. And like, how did he get out of the room? Does this sound familiar to you? And it was that it was ice. Was that the that he climbed up out yeah. of the ice or something? That's like and an old logic puzzle. It's an old logic yeah. puzzle, but it was written in this kid's book. book. And I, it might not even been an elephant, but I have been searching for this book in my mind. And if I could actually find it, I would probably buy it and put it in in my own personal collection because that was the first time. You know, when you're a little kid, you're not that logical. So I was like, oh my gosh. It was the ice, like it never even occurred to me. So that was the first time that I was like excited about a mystery and I was just a little kid. Um, so that was my first memories of reading mystery. How about you, Peter? Um, I Like Alex, I never was a big mystery reader. I still only read mysteries occasionally. But um, my grandma, she was always reading mysteries. She always reading uh, Agatha Christie books. Right. And I, I'm sure I read some of the Encyclopedia Browns and sure. that sort of thing growing up. But for me, it was more of a TV thing. My mom would watch, you know, like Dateline and like all the kind of more true um, stories of crimes. And that's really what got me interested in mysteries. And um, that's still true. Like I, I'm a huge fan of mystery movies and TV shows. And I'm a, a small fan of mystery novels. Yes. So I would have to say that that's true for me too now. I do read mystery books still to this day, but um, Peter and I are always trading ideas for TV shows that we've watched. Have you seen this? Do you have this streaming service? So we're um, obsessed, I would say it would be an accurate description (laughs) of both of us um, in the genre of mystery. And sometimes we do talk about true crime stuff, but we're more into the, uh, really the British mystery genre yeah um that was a good segue which right? is a subset <laughs> of of like mystery in general yes. like the british mystery is a very unique uh yes has, has unique attributes to it it's it's yeah. cozy witty banter probably is yeah, sprinkled in so there you you were kind of at when we talked about doing this podcast you you were saying like what makes this um a thing right so why is it interesting and I, I really thought about it. And the first thing that I thought of was that there's a lot less violence. That's not mm. true across the board. There's We've watched shows with plenty of, of gore, uh, more gritty. But overall, um, it's the risk for me. It's like the restraint. Uh, they're very polite to one another. Um, just more humanity in it, in its, um, in its presentation. And also the locations are, so I started watching one of the first series was Vera. That So it takes place in Newcastle, um, which is southern part? Of northeast. Northeast. Coast, northeast yeah. coast. So my grandmother was born in Newcastle, my mother's mother. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I can kind of see. I've never been there. Um, what it looks like there. So And then I was like, well, you know, I'm on season nine now of Vera. Um, but just to see the landscape is kind of how I started watching that. And then I was hooked into the stories. So, yeah, I don't know if Peter has any thoughts about what makes them unique. For me, I think I've always been kind of an Anglophile. When I was a kid, I started reading, like, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. I was mm-hmm. always interested. And then I, in middle school and high school, I got into British music. So, for me, it just it gives me that extra in. I mean, I like to watch an American mystery show, too. But for me, it's the same. Something about the setting... Uh, I'm interested in the culture, you know, it's like, it's a little different, even with the police, you know, they don't, 
they don't have guns and stuff. Or right. yeah. They're going to the, like uh, interview a, a murder suspect, and they're you know it's yeah it's all it, it's just like a different perspective. It's all very civilized. And, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I'm sure it's like an illusion too, because like, sure. they have their problems just like everywhere else. But it, it, there's something about it that does feel a little more. I don't know, comforting in yeah, some weird way. Even the ones that aren't cozy mysteries. There's like a safety net. You know yeah. it'll never get so dark where you're like, wow. Yeah, like, and there I'm are depressed. there are series. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you. But there are series that do go really dark, like um what was the one with Ruth Wilson? Um Luther? Oh, that yeah. gets pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Totally recommend it because Idris the, I don't need to say anything else about that, but it does get kind of dark. Um so these were the four things that I wrote down. Things I learned watching British mystery shows. Keep the subtitles on or you will miss something vital. (laughs) And that is my number one thing that I wrote down. And I also now just watch subtitles. I never realized how much I was missing just in general of TV. And I have very perfectly good hearing. But really, it also makes me keep the phone down. And I kind of can. So that's my recommendation. The second thing I wrote is that you will notice that you will recognize at least one actor from another British series. Peter and I refer to this often. We're saying that there's only like, there's a very finite amount of British actors, apparently, mm-hmm. I guess. And they just keep circling. Because they all through. live in Hollywood. Yeah, but they're even in the shows, you're like, oh, she in this one, he was the serial killer. In this one, he's chief inspector yeah. um, of, you know, of London. And that must my, get confusing. Yeah, but it is kind of interesting to see the range. The third thing I wrote was, and Peter already referred to this, guns are not necessary to tell a good crime story. So hand, handguns are rarely seen in the picture. Um, sometimes you'll see assault, you know, if they're doing like a, a raid. But overall, they don't use carry guns and my fourth thing closed circuit television surveillance is apparently everywhere in britain yeah, they <laughs> like have it everywhere street. which is kind of scary big brother yeah so i don't even it know does if help it's you true solve it no, does it help. is true they, is they true. have um like cctv as they call it uh everywhere in England. yeah like, so they're always running back like well, ch- check the cctv it's always somebody's job <laughs> on the on the episode to get and it yeah. always usually leads to, you know, some important clue. So those are the four things that I've noticed. Um, and then I'm just going to say one more thing. So at, that's what I wrote down. And then I kind of looked it up. I was like, I want to see if there anybody else is talking about this. And I did find an article in The Atlantic um, from 2020 by Christopher Orr. And he, and I'm quoting him, he said, when you take away the guns and the shootings, you have more time to explore grief, guilt, and the psychological complexity of crime. So I thought that was pretty profound. And his four points is that these series generally, and we're speaking in generalities, uh, have a more leisurely pace. Often women are the principal investigator, which I did not think about until... It's true. Um, which is great. Uh, the locale, which was already mentioned, because the locale and the connection to community are always play an important character in the story as well. So it's it's usually just as important as what's happening is where it's happening. And then finally, this is his words, uh, who isn't hungry for a more humane depiction of law enforcement? So take that for, mm. what, for what it's worth. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because one of those things you mentioned I hadn't really thought of. Which is what I think draws me me to it is because like when I read, I know I'm very drawn to characters more than plot, and it's weird that I like mysteries because they're very plot driven. But I think that's what is what makes them interesting. It's 
more focuses on the relation. It focuses on the relationships more yeah. maybe than like a CSI kind of show in America. Right. And the shows that we wind up, Peter and I, that we both agree on that we love are usually amazingly fleshed out characters because the story almost becomes secondary to the characters. I mean, it's all works together, but I'm also character driven person when I really like, that's why I go back to the beginning of the podcast when I recommended demon Copperhead. It's just all about the character tells the story um, in so many ways. So that is also really important. So it's a good point, Peter. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder if that's, has anything to do with the fact that maybe the BBC, because it has fewer channels, maybe they feel less pressure to be more like titillating and have like gore or things like that to try to pull maybe. viewers away? I don't know. But I also, I, and this is probably made up in my own head, this fantasy that like, well, I know for sure that the line of duty, line of duty, right, is a massively huge hit in the UK. And I envisioned when it was airing for the first time, that like everybody in the country was watching it. Everybody was making their popcorn on the same night, watching in the line of, in light of duty and talking about it at the water cool the next day. We don't have that experience so much anymore because everybody's, and I'm, you know, guilty of binge everything. And then we talk about it when it's through. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost agonizing for us to do this once a week episodic type of situation um but i always kind of envision these stories being put out like that and there's again something about sense of community um i don't know i, I was gonna say to uh alex so you talked about before the podcast um you know talking about about the kind of mystery renaissance that's going on right now there's so many new mystery shows movies and why that might be and it kind of ties into some of what jen was saying that I find that there's something comforting about a procedural where the crime's getting solved. They always yeah. find the, the murderer and it's like, you know, crime's going up a lot all over the country. Um, the world is crazy and is making less sense. There's something about the, you know, either at the end of the episode or the end of the season, you know, they'll have an answer. There's an answer. They, yeah. they, they catch the person. And I also... Uh, some of them we've talked about, I don't want to say yet because they might be ones you want to talk about. It's comforting to see um, police detectives who care. Yes. And, you know, you never know. I, I don't know any real police detectives, but it's like, it's comforting to see somebody doing this important job that is really doing their best job and really cares about the people affected. You know? And even the more recent shows that have been coming out, the it dives into that even more about the psychological effect on the on law enforcement on these detectives um and how they how that affects their life in their personal and i know which show one show that we're going to talk about in a minute um which really dives into that but i think that you're also right there is something comforting about whether it's at the end of the episode or the end of the series you kind of have come full whether you're sad or heartbroken or joyful it's kind of all wrapped up. And so what's the number one podcast right now in, in um, this genre? It's like criminal or something. Serial was the, was not, the biggest for a long time. Yeah, but this not is so one, much anymore. I think it's criminal. I could be wrong on that. Where she talks about unsolved cases um, and they're unsolved cases. My favorite murder? Oh, it's not that. I, it's, I, I've started listening to them like, oh, this is super popular. I should, I'll probably like this. And I do like true crime as well. But... 
it's all unresolved and I can only listen to like one or two at it because I'm like, oh, they're really sad and they're really, right. really difficult to hear that these are just almost papers in a box. Like nobody's ever, maybe ever going to solve these mysteries. So yeah, it's the opposite of mystery shows when you realize how many unsolved crimes there are out there. That, right. So it's right. good escapism. Right. Yeah, it's great escapism. And um, when I was talking about, before we started recording, um, I was talking about how there's kind of like a mystery renaissance going on right now. I was more referring to like Hollywood. You know, there's a big movie mystery renaissance happening right now. And I was kind of curious. I wanted to know what your thoughts are on sort of why this is. I have my own thoughts that I'll, I'll share right now and see see if you agree with me. So I think this all started a few years ago. Knives Out was a huge okay. smash success. You know, before that, there was the serial podcast that I mentioned. So murder was already starting to bubble up to the surface. You know, there was some popularity growing right there. But just in the last year, we have The Only Murderers in the Building. Mm -hmm. We have the Knives Out sequel, Enola Holmes and the Enola Holmes sequel, See Them Run, Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to another movie that came out just two years ago, Vengeance, The Pale Blue Eye, and Bullet Train. Yeah. So those are all AAA Hollywood titles. Yeah. That are all doing very, very well in the box office. Some of them have gotten some Oscar nominations. And so there's it's obviously in the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Mysteries. Uh, especially these classic mysteries where there is a kind of a parlor scene at the end. Sure. Or yeah, like the clue game come to the screen. Classic Agatha Christie. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Agatha, Agatha Christie, uh, See Them Run, Agatha Christie is actually a character in the movie, and it's all set around an Agatha Christie ad adaptation of a play. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's really ingrained, like yeah. intertwined it's in all of these. It's multi-layered. So I have some thoughts on why this is happening. The first is Knives Out was a success and everyone's just chasing the right. next big hit. Um, but you already mentioned this earlier, you know, it has a nice, neat wrap-up at the end. So with mysteries, there's almost, you know, the serial serialized nature is almost ingrained in mysteries. You know, every mystery book or show, the big reveal is why people still keep coming back to it, right? It's addictive, you know. But because of that, it sets itself up for sequels with movies, so if you know if you have one success, you can just keep churning these out, and you're seeing that with Knives Out. I think they already have five planned or four planned or something. Yeah, you're, you're going to see a new Knives Out movie every two I'm years. I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. The other thing is these movies lend themselves to big A-list ensemble casts, which right. brings in a lot of viewers. You know, even if you don't like half of the people in the movie, odds are one of the characters you'll go see it because that actor's in it. Um, so that's another reason they're. Um, you know, they're attractive. They, they'll make the studios money. Yeah, so I just... And you already mentioned, you know, murder mysteries are the perfect balm for a chaotic world. That was the last note I had here. So, and you know, the world's been crazy for the last many years. And, um, you know, you know, if you go see Knives Out, it's going to be crazy for a little while, but everything's going to wrap up in a nice, neat bow at the end, and you'll feel smarter for having watched it. So yeah. I'm just curious, do you have any... Thoughts you want to add on that? Like why it's kind of in the zeitgeist right now? Yeah, I think it might also be partially like a generational thing for people who are maybe more our age than Alex's age. Um, having grown up on that sort of thing, like I grew up watching a lot of mystery movies like that. And there's like, you know, the Columbos and the Perry Masons and the Murder, She Wrotes. I kind of wonder if maybe it's just, you know, I you see that a lot with um, trends in music where... The 90s are coming back because 
people who were getting into music in the 90s have kids now, you know? It's yeah. that mm-hmm. sort of thing where yeah. our parents were watching these things and now we're the adults making movies. Yeah. So it might be part of that, partly something yeah. to do with that. Because it was a big right part of my childhood watching those sort of movies and TV shows too. And I think you said something about sequels. Um, so I know you're a big movie fan. And I love movies too. Uh, pre-pandemic, I went to the movies quite often, often by myself, preferably by myself. Um, and then we really started getting into the binge watching, right? And now I get like kind of sad to watch a movie because I'm like, oh, what's, I want to know everything that's going to happen after, mm-hmm. everything that happened before, unless it's like a real quality movie. Um, so I think they are, obviously it comes down to dollars with movies. They see you know, a big name or they got the hook like the um, the Glass Onion, which is the second one, right? Knives Out. They'll keep making those. Um, I did happen to just watch Vengeance the other night and I watched it because B.J. Novak, I think he wrote, he wrote it, it too. It, yeah. mm-hmm. So it's it was good. It was not what I expected. Yeah, I and I thought, um, did you see it yet, Peter? No. Ashton Kutcher is in it and surprisingly – Great acting, I thought, from him. I enjoyed his character. Um, that show combines the whole mystery thing along with podcasting, mm-hmm. which is um, interesting. And I'm watching another show right now on, I think it's Apple TV, Truth Be Told, with Octavia Spencer. And she's a podcaster who's solving mysteries through her podcast. So I just started. I'm, I'm on season two. Um, so that's also... It's a pretty good show, um, but I like the modern take of the mystery solving and then putting in uh, the old-fashioned type of mystery solvers um, combined with some more modern technology like podcasting and yeah. stuff. So I thought that was an interesting little hook because uh, everybody's into podcasting, and so they kind of, again, jumped on it. Um, so those are two examples just recently that I've watched that kind of tie it in together. So, yeah, I think it's just, you know, I don't really know why – that we're all get into this, it's sort of, uh, you know, you can go back to why were we all into Harry Potter or why were we all into um, anything that was just sort of like pop culture at the moment. Um, this feels like going home a little bit to me. It feels yeah. really comfortable and like... That's why I thought maybe it is a nostalgia thing. Yeah, for I didn't think of it that way, but I think you might be right. It does feel, going back to that book that I can't remember the name of. Hollywood does love nostalgia, so. Yeah. They do, <laughs> they do. All right, um, well, that, yeah, I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. So we've been kind of dancing around this the entire episode. And speaking of, of Hollywood adaptations, so The Thursday Murder Club. Yes. Extremely popular book which I only just read last week in preparation for this episode. Did you I like it? I crammed it. I loved it. Oh, I loved you it. did? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, know which way it was going to fall for you. No, I, I really it's loved so it. Good, I loved it. it. And it everything we've talked about in this episode about, you know, all the tropes of British mysteries and cozy mysteries, they're, they're all in this book. So if you like a nice cozy mystery with some witty banter and, and good character building, I thought, um, this is a, a great book for you. And it's funny. It's funny, yeah. It's funny. And talking about character, the whole 
series is based on these characters. And the author, um, if you do the audio versions, did you read it or did you read listen? It. So he does little interviews at the end of the of the books. And he's really funny. He's a talk show host. In, Richard Oz on yeah. a game show. And, and game uh, show. Pointless. Pointless. Right. Right. That's right. So he talks about that. And he ha- he answers kind of readers' questions like, are these characters, what's your plan? And he's like, I'm keeping mm-hmm. these characters alive for as long as you'll keep reading these books. So that was like <laughs> thrilling because they are older. Yeah. We um, should say what the book is, yeah. what, it, what it's actually about yeah, yeah, or yeah. a brief synopsis of it. I don't want to spoil anything because it's... So, I know there's still a six-week wait on this book if you want to check it out at the library. So Right. Um, so there's three in the series. I did yes. print out... This is actually from, I don't know, Amazon or the library catalog or something. So this just sort of is just a little... What the book is about. So in uh, a peaceful retirement village, four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved murders. But when a brutal killing takes place on the very doorstep, the Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim, and Ron might be pushing 80, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. Can our unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? So this is the uh, synopsis of the book. (laughs) And they can do it well. So, yeah, it's four friends and... What, what the author, um, I heard him speak, when he was speaking about the book, the question was, how did you decide on this retirement community to setting? He said, well, I wanted, he knew he wanted to do some, uh, this age group, just solving crimes. And he was trying to figure out how he could bring together people with different skill sets and different life experiences. And he says, you know, if you go to a Knights of Columbus, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know if this is exactly what he said, but, or if you go to the golf club, all those people are there because they have the commonality of golf or the tennis club. And he wanted people to be really different for these characters. So that's how we settled on the retirement home because you can find literally your neighbor could be somebody you would never think that you were living next door. So that's how we came landed on that. Um, and they're just like the best friends. And I just want them all in my life. Yeah. I, I think for me, part of the appeal of the book too as – you know, getting older, and I I do the book discussion here at the library, and a lot of the people in the group are older, and we read it for the book discussion. That's how I first read the first book, and it's there's something about being an uh, older person and making friends because it's yeah. like it gets harder to do, and there's something again comforting about like these people who uh, you know move into this retirement village, um, and you know late in life are making. Good friends. Yeah. Good friends and living life. It's not, um, it's a very hopeful environment. And, you know, there's a touch of sadness here and there where they're not unrealistic about where they're living. Um, But just seeing the the friendships, how they um, make each other better people and just... I'm really kind of jealous of their life. I think they're yeah. just like I want to be in that in that club on Thursdays solving these unsolved crimes, um, because they're they're really smart and they really know. It's like you know people. It's a throwaway generation. People who are over a certain age, and I think uh, younger people. As we get older, we realize you know younger people think that we don't maybe know as much, or that people older than me, like or like my dad's is ninety two, but. You know, your wisdom just keeps on going and it just sort of um, encapsulates that, like how smart and how brilliant they are and and hilarious. Yeah, I 
I wanted to say, I was going to say how funny they, it is because it's not like the characters aren't aware that they're 70 and 80 years old. Yeah. They use it to their advantage. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of playing like a judo with all the people around them yeah. where people are assuming, you know, they're feeble or they don't quite have all the marbles, you know, right. and they use that to their advantage to kind of get to places they shouldn't be and, yes. and you know, get information they shouldn't have um which i thought was hilarious hilarious, hilarious. The way richard osman writes it they don't um I, I he says that he sometimes thinks he th- actually thinks in joyce's voice mm-hmm. who is essentially the narrator right Joyce? Yeah. and he says sometimes he'll hear and they're like you know he has inspiration from his mom his grandparents like he has all these different women that kind of created choice but he's like she is alive living all of them are and each character and not just the four there's the secondary characters like uh donna and um chris Chris is her partner, right? So all of these are like literally, so just the writing process alone, it was so interesting to hear that he sits down and a lot of writers will tell you a million different ways, their process. And he's like, I just sit down and I just write. I, from beginning to end. He doesn't do an outline. He just lets the story happen. He says, I kind of have an idea, but I let the characters tell me what they're going to do. And he just sits and he just writes for whatever, two hours a day. And then he, you know, he goes and does his, his game show. Um, and then he'll come back to the writing. And I just kind of love that too about him that he made it not, I'm, it's not simple, but he made it, it that even that's enjoyable, the, the writing part for him. Yeah. It is a very breezy read. I yeah. will say, um, it, it's, it's, I don't know, 300 pages or something, but it didn't feel yeah. long at all. It's it, a very quick read. Yeah. It's very quick because it's mostly dialogue, too. It's, it's a very breezy read. In the third book that is the most recent, I, I had reserved it you know, as soon as I could on Libby on the on downloadable app. And I was listening to every chapter twice because I just did not want the book to be over because I just, <laughs> I just love them being in the car with me and just like hearing them yeah. and... I wish you know, I had listened to it on yeah. audiobook, actually. The next I, one, do number two. I think the, I might. Uh, yeah. I feel like it was written as a screenplay. The whole time I'm reading it, I'm thinking this would be a better as a show. Yeah. Not that I didn't enjoy the book or sure. his writing, but I'm reading it and I'm thinking he's writing like he's a screenplay writer. Like he's seeing it, it up on the he's screen. He's writing right? it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I'm glad, well, I already spoiled it, but it's yeah. going to be adapted into a film. Yes. Um, by Sp- Steven Spielberg's production company. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know that? Yes, yeah, Spielberg, I right? Great. I was a little bit, not that I don't love movies, but I was kind of hoping for a series. Me too. I know that's a lot of a commitment because um, the actors are older and how many seasons could you really maybe, you know, it would be a little bit. Um, so it is going to be a movie. I think it, I, I agree. I think it would be better as a series. Yeah, because it, it, I want to know everything about these characters. I don't know if they could fit it all I don't in. know how they're going yeah, to fit this whole book into one movie. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, I've talked to, about it with you, I think. My Dreamcast. Did you put your Dreamcast people in? A Pretty couple good. of them. Okay, I so let me hear. Say, I want you to say first to see if we. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So for Elizabeth, who is the. Uh, you know, she's the self-proclaimed smartest one of the group and the, the most, uh, I guess, experienced in solving crimes. I'll just say that. So I had Helen Mirren. You too. All right. So she's the winner. Uh, for Joyce, I had Julie Waters. Do you know who that is? She She's in a lot of British stuff. And I just think, because Joyce is so sweet, but she's also cunning. and um, But she knows how to play it. So I thought Julie Waters. For Ibrahim, I had Ben Kingsley. And for um, Ron, I had either Tom Wilkinson or Bill Nye. 
Nai, is that how you say his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know the real tall... He just got nominated for an Oscar. Yes, Tim... Uh, Bill Tom, Nye. Bill Nye, who is my husband's favorite actor. And he's in like a million things. Like, oh, there he is again. There he's he is probably again. best known for Love Actually. He's like the... Yes. He's a rocker who has yes. to sing the Christmas song. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So who did you have? Yeah, had Helen Mirren. This yeah. is the other one. I know she's such a great actress. She's, the, she's a little younger, mm-hmm. but... You know they can put some makeup on sure. it. She would do. I see. I saw um, Joyce as Olivia Coleman. Oh. But they'd have to age her. Right? Yeah. Be a thing. Too. But I just like. For Joyce, I, I could just see her giving such heart to the role, you yeah. know, because she's so good at doing that. But I actually think that's a brilliant idea for her. Probably won't happen because she's not. Yeah, really but you're the right. right. A little bit of makeup, so she would be good off. for the series because she's going to be around for longer than these other actors. So yeah, <laughs> so we love this series and. We're excited for the movie. We'd love it to be an actual series. Um, and then there's some other series that I would be happy to talk about that we're... Yeah. Is um, that okay? Do you yeah, I'm just seeing if I had any more notes okay. on uh, Thursday, Thursday Murder, Murder Club. Or Peter, I didn't know if you did. Oh, yeah. I was. I, I, I brought it up earlier. So I, when you were talking about the uh, little old lady who broke the rules, I, I, I see this as part of... There's kind of a new subgenre of book that's like old Swedish people doing stuff you don't expect yeah, yeah, older yeah. people to do. And that's what I wrote down. Uh, I haven't read that, but I did read the, there's the hundred year old man. There's a few books that, that, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. That's that. And then there's, you know, man called Uva. Yes. Sort of that. Yeah. That who, who, genre. Who is, that's Swedish, right? Is yeah. That, so it's there is a movie, a Swedish there, a version of a man called Uva. Um, uh, but now it's going to be called A Man Called Otto. Uh, with, uh, I'm sure it'll be great. Tom Hanks is great. But still, we always have to change everything because we're Americans. Did you have any of the notes about Alex? No. Um, I just, you know, I don't read very many mysteries, as I was saying before. But I thought this is, you know, if you are interested in mysteries, you know, we talked about, are you interested in sci-fi? I think this is a great jumping on point for mystery. It's, uh, it's an easy read. It's fun. Um, but it has all the tropes of a good mystery. It, the twist is, is pretty good. Um, there's actually a couple of murders that yep. take place, not to get That's too right. far ahead, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's something you'll be thinking about in between chapters and you won't want to put the book down. That's for sure. And, uh, one final thing I'll say, I definitely recommend maybe the audiobook If you are an audiobook person, it's probably the better way to go. Honestly, do they do different, um, actors or is it one narrator reading the whole book it's one narrator but she's pretty skilled i think the third book is actually a different narrator but it still nails it um puts on the different voices mm-hmm. same person though right it's not different people reading the different parts yeah. um this would be but, good as a an audio play i'd love to listen to yeah right i've thought yeah, of that with too each character with each character doing it it's um one of the i think it's one of the best um audiobooks maybe that's part of the reason i loved it too just because you know a, a narrator can ruin an audiobook for you or make it for you, and this definitely is. Yeah, and our listeners notch. to this podcast, we talk about it almost every episode, how the benefits of audiobooks and what makes a good audiobook. So yeah, we're all fans of audiobooks here, so good. get the, get the Libby that. app. I love that. Everybody. Get the Libby <laughs> app, free, through your library. So are there any other, um, you said you had another show you wanted to mention? I have like three shows, but what, what shows did you have listed there, Peter? Um, well, I have a couple of things, but they're not all British. So I'll, okay. the 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 last one that I watched, besides one, I think you're going to mention, talk about, yeah. um, that's a British series. It's called London Kills, and it's not a cozy mystery. It's a little bit more gritty, and it's um, you know set in London. It's like a straightforward police procedural p- procedural. Um, 
gets in a little bit to the personal life of the detectives that kind of ends up being part of the investigation. Um, but it's just, you know, a really well-written, well-acted uh, police procedural. I should have written down what it's available on, but, you know. Google it. Google it. Google it. It's, it's available on something or other. I think it is maybe Amazon. I'm not sure. I don't think I've Logan seen this Kills. one. It has, yeah. I don't think any of the actors are. Well, they're all in the other British <laughs> are, shows. They're that not they're... <laughs> any really familiar names in it, but it's really good. Just their faces are familiar. And, um, kind of along the lives of the Knives Out conversation we were going to have. The other, there's a movie I want to recommend too that I just saw a couple of weeks ago, but it came out in, I think, 1979. And it was, it's called The Last of Sheila. Hmm. And it was written by, the screenwriters were Stephen Sondheim of Broadway fame mm-hmm. and... Um, Anthony Perkins from really? Psycho. And it's the classic, like, Agatha Christie-style murder mystery. It's a movie producer invites all these people on a yacht to play, like, a murder mystery game. And, of course, Somebody dies. real murders actually happen. And okay. it's really fun, really good. And it has, if you're from, you know, if you grew up in the 70s, 80s, it has, uh, you know, a lot of the old, it's got Diane Cannon in it and mm. Raquel Welch and James James Coburn, it's really fun. Look, pulling this one up from the archives. (laughs) I love that. Check it out. I have that written down. So I wrote down two, um, series three. The third one I'm going to save for last because I know it's something that Peter and I have both watched recently. Um, Happy Valley, which is three seasons. The the newest season is finally out, but it's not here in America yet. It's it's currently being shown in uh, the UK. Um, and it stars Sarah Lancashire. Lancashire? Lancashire. Lancashire. Uh, so she's in a lot of, of British. She's an amazing actress. Um, it takes place in West Yorkshire, West Yorkshire. And she's a police sergeant who loses her daughter to suicide. And she has she's raising her grandson, who was a product of rape. So it's kind of heavy. And then it is, it's much more of a gritty drama. Uh, but really, really well done. So then uh, her her daughter's attacker is released from jail and she kind of becomes obsessed with him. And then there's a kidnapping and it's sort of her solving. And it goes over, now it's in its third season. So I originally had watched that on Netflix, but when I double checked last night, it's not on Netflix. You can purchase it on um, Amazon Prime, maybe through PBS or something you might be able to, but I definitely highly recommend it watching it right now actually yeah it's really good she's just so good in everything she was in uh last tango in halifax which is not a, a murder mystery but an amazing wonderful feel-good british family drama that i love that show so much so the other one is called unbelievable and it has tony collette in it and it's a one season on Netflix. So, and you can still get it on Netflix. And it's based on a, a Pulitzer Prize winning article from 2015 called The Unbe- Unbelievable Story of Rape. I just realized that these are both like super heavy, and I apologize <laughs> if this is triggering anybody. I really do apologize. But it's really, Tony Collette is one of my favorite Phenomenal. actresses. I mean, everything she does, even The Staircase, which if, if you haven't seen that yet on HBO, also followed that case. The staircase. Uh, I was a big fan of that whole that whole situation. She's great. She plays a detective along with Merritt Weaver, who was in Nurse Jackie, right? She's also another great actress. And there, so just check that one out. That's called Unbelievable. 
And then the third one uh, is when I know Peter has watched. I don't know if you finished, if you're all up, you're all caught up. I recommended this to Peter a few weeks ago, and he immediately came to my office after. So he's like, I love it. It's called Unforgotten. You can get it on Prime, and maybe PBS. I think it did air. I watched it on PBS. On PBS, so right? Have- so you have the PBS uh, the, I watched passport like a, yeah, or something. W-L-I-W. Right? Yeah. So it's uh, Nicola Walker, who's also in Last Tango from Halifax. So like we said, they're all the same Many actors. police shows. Many police shows. And she plays uh, DCI Cassie Stewart. And Sanjeev Bashkar is uh, DI Sunny Khan. So the premise of the story is, the premise of the show is they solve old cases, yeah, cold, cold cases, cases yeah. that... Something will happen. And then you want to talk a little bit about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, like the first, I watched the first season after Jen recommended it. And like she says, it's like, you know, they it usually starts where they find an old body, basically. And then there's for some, you know, somehow they, they, they figure out that it's from a certain era and that usually it's, at least 20 yeah, years ago <laughs> it, it's always like it has to be if it's older than like 60 years yeah they they can't do anything because they there's there's not going to be records but the actress nicola walker she just like we talked about how comforting it is to see um you know police detectives caring about their job she just like i the first season i like i, I don't usually cry in crime dramas yeah. but i was crying because she's just like she cares so much about the victims and she's like so sensitive and it, it's good in like a procedural way solving the case and it's just got like a lot of heart and makes you want to believe that uh there's good in the that, world. That they're, that's a, that's it, what the people doing this are. are and like. it's not the, the it's I 100% agree, Peter. And it's not the normal or the traditional format in the sense that they'll have unseemingly unrelated characters. This is like the very beginning of a season, where so the whole it's the season the story is the whole arc of the season. It's not like episodic, like mm-hmm. you solve a crime, and they'll introduce. These people, you can't figure out how are you going to relate these people back to the crime. So it'll be like three or four different, you know, kind of flashing to these different stories. And then ultimately it all ties together and it helps solve. But it's not just about solving the crime. It's about the devastation of the crime and what murder can have on families and uh, the long-term effects of being whether you were one of the people who committed it or somebody who is a you know family member or a loved one um so it kind of dive deep dive into that but you also get to see the like n- n- the Cassie's character and Sunny you get to kind of learn about their private lives and their their families and how being a detective like is so all consuming and how that brings it on i think it's kind of i don't know i'm not a detective but it feels very real and I did cry at the show, too. But highly recommend. Uh, there's four seasons streaming right now on Prime. I'm sorry. I, I wish these were all in one place. But you have to, you have to like, you know, hunt around for them. And they're going to be coming back with a fifth season. I think they're filming now, you heard, yeah. Peter. So. Very good. I wanted to say, too, the, the one you recommended before with... Uh, Unbelievable. With, uh, Unbelievable yeah. is... I, I, I recommend that one too. I'd forgotten about that, but that, and that's based on a true, that's based on a true, true story. story of real police detectives who were that kind of detective that, that did not give up, that didn't give up and, you know, really took, cared about what they were doing and really highly recommend that one too. Yeah. Right. That's one season. I don't think there'll be a sequel to that, but I wish there would be because I thought they were brilliant. And I made a list of series that I 
have watched over the years that I love. So I'm going to give those to you. You can put them up. Okay, in the I'll episode put them in the show notes. notes. Sure. Some more I can. And then, okay. uh, yeah, so we'll give them both right. and it'll be Read Peter's the, and Jen's the show list. Notes. Yeah, yes. For a comprehensive list of comprehensive mysteries. Comprehensive notes of... Uh... So I, I put up in our staff break room on the chalkboard a question, what are your favorite mysteries? So these are some of the uh, responses I've gotten from other other staff. Um, Clue, the movie Clue, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Classic. Mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, Tim Curry is the best in that. Madeline Kahn. You can move on without mentioning Madeline Kahn. Yep. Um, only Murderers in the Building, the TV show with um, Steve, Steve Martin, Martin and Martin Short. And Great. Selena Gomez. And Selena Gomez, yep. So good. Good show. Um, and, and I then, think, um, wait, there's somebody coming on to that show. Meryl uh, Streep's Mar- going to be on there. Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yeah. Great show. Very fun. And a couple of movies that were on the, um, on the wall. Memento, Mystic River, Brick, Silence of the Lambs. Mm. And I'll add one more, my favorite, Rear Window. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock, window, yes. my that's a great one, one of my all-time favorites. So that's those are some of the staff picks. Yeah, that I well, they're to all mention. over the place. Really different <laughs> oh, types yeah. of of mystery, mm-hmm. uh, a mystery world. Yeah, I only have one more thing I wanted to, one more mystery I wanted to mention before we wrap up. Is there anything, any other shows you wanted to mention? Or I mean, we just could go on for we can list. do in a whole yeah. other episode okay. of our list. We're already yeah. over an hour, so, <laughs> so yeah. lots of them, but. <laughs> I couldn't let an episode go by without mentioning a video game. So one of my all-time favorite games ever, one of my favorite pieces of art ever, is a game called Disco Elysium. Now, this game is on a bunch of best game ever lists out there, if you look it up. It won a bunch of Game of the Year awards when it came out. It won a BAFTA for its acting. Okay. For its voice acting. We understand that language. Yeah. (laughs) We know BAFTA. Um, So basically... The game, uh, you wake up naked in a ratty hotel room, and you have total amnesia, right? And you eventually, you come to find out that you are a detective sent to this island in this land called Elysium, and you're sent there to investigate a murder. And basically, the game unfolds where you slowly start to learn about who you are, right? So you try to create your own identity, and you're trying to solve this murder at the same time. It's, a, it's based off a novel by an, an author from Estonia. The author, the book was called Sacred and Terrible Air. It came out in 2013. It hasn't been translated to English yet. Oh, that's too bad. The day it does, I'm ordering it for the okay. library. I'm buying a second copy for myself. And you'll and tell us. I'm telling everyone. Okay. Because um, I need to read this book. So it's one of my all-time favorite experiences. The story is brilliant. It is has so many layers i can't even begin to it's so hard to explain because it's trippy um but basically one of the gimmicks of the game is you have a lot of the dialogue is in your own head in the main character's head so the actor who won the uh the bafta for voice acting is your internal monologue and your personality in the game kind of comprises um how good you are at certain things so you might have um Mental acuity might be a statistic, and that has its own voice in your head. Um, or your aggressiveness, or your like addictive personality has its own personality. And there's 24 different kind of psyches that all are competing for your headspace, and you can have conversations with all of them. Wow. And they're all acted by the same actor, but all completely different voices. I think there's over a million words or something, like 
of lines of dialogue in this game. It's amazing. It's a triumphant masterpiece. I don't know how how else to rave about it. Alex, I'm not a gamer. I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I had like Atari when I was a kid. So just explain to the listeners who are like me, who are not gamers, Mm -hmm. how would, do you play that with other people? Is it an online? It's a solo like, ex- it's experience. It's a solo experience. It's, um, it would and be And is it like the... time? Like, you, do you have certain time limits you have to solve things? Or are you kind of, it's at your own pace that you're creating? It's at your, completely your own pace. It's, it would be classified as a point and click game. Okay. Meaning there's no combat. There's no, you don't have to be like a, you know, the most hardcore gamer with fast reflexes to play this game. You're going at your own pace. You're literally just walking around this beautiful environment and searching for clues. Basically yeah. talking to people, trying I feel to like get we clues. Can do this. <laughs> I think you could, honestly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a brilliant game. It's set in like this alternate world. It's kind of set in like Estonia, but in the seventies. That's mm. where kind of the disco theme comes in a little bit. Um, but I also learned in my research for this uh, this episode that disco is actually Latin for I learn. So the title I learn Elysium and Elysium. So another layer is peeled yeah. back. Oh, this game is so, so good. Interesting. Another fun fact about the game: the clothes that you wear also influences how you feel about yourself, which influences the conversations you can have in your inner in monologue. Your mind. And one of my favorite characters in the game is actually a necktie. So you find this ratty, disgusting necktie. I was ask, you find the clothes and that's how you... Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you're naked when you yeah. start. Right, right. So whatever clothes you're wearing, you know, influences how you feel. So if you dress up in, like, cop clothes, you'll feel more confident in, like, invest- your investigating skills. Sure. But if you dress in, like, these crazy 70s disco clothes, you might feel more like a, like your sixth sense. I forget what the actual part of your brain is called in the game. But you'll be more intuitive in finding clues. yeah. Uh, or or kind of like reading people and stuff. And so did you f- solve the game? Yes. You there's did. A, there's multiple endings depending mm-hmm. on which how, route you take. Which route you take. I don't want to spoil anything. No, 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 but, no. Um, Yeah, the, how you develop your own character plays a part in how the story unfolds too. So if you kind of go into I'm more like the super cop they call it route, it influences um, you know who will talk to you and what information you can get, or you can just become a total recluse and be like a wild card and that will influence you know how the ending plays out yeah great oh, game sounds great game. wonderful do we have it it's available on nintendo switch it's available on every platform now mm-hmm. the one we would have it for is probably nintendo switch i'm gonna put a little bug in marianne and christina's ear that we should order it for the library okay um but look for it it's on sale regularly you can you can pick it up for a pretty cheap price if uh nice tie-in with the whole mystery yeah i had to mention it I had to mention it. Yeah, so when I play game, any kind of game that I do play, like I have a little couple of games, you know, on my phone. I can't take the pressure of the time limits or the, you know. Oh no! It's a, so you I just like going leisurely. at my pace type of games. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack's sounds, great too. I will mention it. So by remember a, that old, what was that Legends of Zelda? Yeah, not like that. Not like that. But that was that type of first introduction that. Like, I, you, you did have some time to think about you what you were going to... investigate Right. Yeah. As opposed to, like, <laughs> Donkey Kong or something. This is... My, I'm talking about my age group mm-hmm. where, like, you had speed time and... Out, yeah. Right. You would just out. Yeah. Centipedes would just come down on top of you. Yeah, so, you no barrels are going to knock you out. And right. <laughs> you're not going to get restarted. I haven't restart. played a lot of modern uh, video games, but I've noticed the ones that I have played, they've gotten rid of some of the most frustrating parts of, like, Atari. Like... Yeah. 
time limits or, you know, yeah. you, you die and then the game's over forever. You have to start from the beginning. So. Right, yeah. So the, oh, I'm glad to hear that. We've progressed. So we're like the old people in uh, Thursday Murder Club. Like, oh, what is this young video game thing about? So that would be such a funny thing to put in the Thursday Murder Club of having them to solve, like, play a video game. Have to game play a game to, to find a clue. To find a clue. I think we should send that over to the author. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got. Uh, thank you so much for so fun, Alex. For joining me. Thanks thank for you. Us. We'll have you back again. Maybe not mystery but maybe another a okay, different topic we got lots to talk about we got more mystery to talk about there's always going to be more murders to yes. talk about okay we're here right. for you all right thank you thanks for coming thanks, Alex. bye bye